Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. Each episode features educators sharing their practical ideas to put more science, technology, engineering, and math into every classroom every day. For show notes and more information, visit dailystem.com. Here's your host, Chris Woods. Well, today I'm very excited we get to chat with Liz Gallo. She is the Chief Education Officer and founder of Ymaker. Uh, she used to be a tech and engineering teacher for over 10 years, but really wanted to focus on trying to make teachers feel comfortable and confident to, to teach STEM and maker ed in their classrooms. So I'm so excited we get to see what kind of good ideas she has for all of us as educators. Welcome to the show, Liz. Thanks for having me, Chris. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's so much fun. Uh, Liz is in New York, and she's already explained to me the different things about, about New York. It's not just like what I see on TV. I can't wait to someday go to New York. Yeah, uh, you're going to have to come visit one day soon. All right. Well, if you want to find out more about Liz, you can go to whymaker.co. That's W-H-Y, maker.co. And of course, also on social media as well. But first of all, Liz, just tell us about why you wanted to kind of do this, to step out of the classroom and help teachers. So I absolutely love the act of teaching. I love helping people learn about the world around them and learn about themselves in the process. Mm -hmm. I taught for over 10 years in a whole bunch of different schools, teaching STEM education, exciting kids, and making education come alive for so many kids. A couple years ago, someone reached out to me and said, check out what this guy Lewis is doing with a school. And Lewis was a fellow technology teacher. Okay. And he was helping public school build a maker space. And I was like, whoa, I'm like, that is so cool. I would love to help schools build maker spaces. Right. And reached out to Lewis and it just kind of snowballed from there. And Lewis is still teaching in the classroom and I just started Ymaker. Then I quickly realized that my expertise as a teacher was mm-hmm. more valuable than my ability to design a makerspace. Right. So although I've helped schools design their makerspace, plan their makerspace, organize their makerspace, yep. what I really focus on now is how do you teach STEM education or how do you teach in a makerspace? There you go. And that it just exploded ever since we made that realization. That's awesome. Because I think a lot of schools are saying, yeah, we need to add a makerspace. We need to have makerspaces in our schools, in our classrooms. And then they build them and they make them and then they just sit there empty. Yeah. And that's so sad. I mean, you and I, Liz, I mean, we'd be just like pulling our hair out saying, no, use that space. That's, it'd be like having prime real estate in New York and not doing anything with it. Yeah. So what's really interesting about some of the schools I work with is that their makerspaces are empty of stuff Mm. where they, they have not a lot of stuff. There's not like tons of expensive 3d printers. They don't have expensive laser engravers. They, you know, maybe they've been collecting some recyclable stuff for a project. Maybe they have some craft supplies. And as I'm working with these teachers, we're building out projects, thinking of things that connect to what they're teaching in their classroom, they're ordering more and more stuff that's necessary for them to be successful. Which is better than just, here, let's order a whole bunch of stuff, and then none of this actually fits what we're doing in the classroom. Right. So we're taking the, like, bottom-up approach. We'll build it as we go. That's cool. Instead of build it, and they will come. And, And kids really do like STEM and making so much. I mean, you put those kind of opportunities in front of a kid and, and that's their favorite part of the day often. 
Right. Totally. A lot of times teachers say, my kids won't be able to do that. They're not creative like that. They don't think like that. And that is so incorrect. We get kids hands-on into STEM projects, making, designing, building, and they, they, they fly. It's, it's what kids do. Kids are creative. They, they want to make stuff and create stuff and build and explore and play. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what STEM education does. Yeah. A good STEM education teacher helps connect that making and doing and creating and playing to real content that they need to be learning in their classrooms. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. So that's what we work really hard at Winemaker to help teachers do. That's good. And and again, talking with Liz Gallo today from Winemaker, you can find out more at winemaker.co. You've taken those ideas of trying to help teachers and the things that you experienced with being a, a technology engineering teacher and, and helping set up makerspaces. You've taken those ideas and said, yeah, we can provide some resources for teachers, but what teachers really need is is that help, that that training, that coaching. Right. When I was a technology teacher, I kind of just assumed everybody else taught the way I taught. (laughs) We did this like hands-on project-based learning experience every day in my classroom. And as soon as I stepped out of the classroom and looked around, I was like, oh, that's not how everybody's teaching. Right. Okay. So I've created a ton of resources to help teachers build out project plans and project-based learning experiences for their students and their classrooms. And at Winemaker, when we do workshops and trainings, what we really try to do and work with schools is that we go and we do a workshop and then we come back and we follow up with individualized coaching for teachers so that we help the teachers like develop project plans and like help them understand the technology that they might be using in a more detailed way. Lots of different ways to help teachers be comfortable and confident to teach STEM in whatever classroom they're working in. And those two words are so important, that that comfortable and that confident to be able to say, I'm comfortable with the tools that we have and and the resources that we have at our school. And then I'm also confident that that I can help my kids to make something with that. I can to create something with that and have it, like you said earlier, connect to the curriculum and the things that we're doing in there. And and there's a big difference between just giving the kids an activity or a project and and doing something that's really involving that project-based learning. Mm -hmm. So another thing we talk about a lot is the difference between an activity, a project, and project-based learning. Mm -hmm. An activity is something that we're doing where every single person is doing the same exact thing, producing the same exact results. So I call that, we call that birdhouse thing, where you're making exactly the same birdhouse. Every single kid is following the same instructions to do that. An activity is where we're all following the same guidelines, but our final project's look a little bit different from each other. Mm -hmm. So I always think of that as like the science fair where you walk around a science fair and they're the trifold boards up. Everybody's trifold board looks exactly the same, but they have different bits of information on it. Exactly. Yep. Right. And project-based learning is when every kid is given the same challenge, the same problem, the same thing to solve, Mm -hmm. and they are all creating a different solution where that might be a podcast. One group might make a trifold board. One group might do a coding project or a website. Everything is different. Your solutions are all different, but everyone's still meeting the same expectations. And I think the key here is that not any of these ways of teaching are better than the other. They all need to be used at all different times for different reasons. And helping teachers and students feel comfortable with that is, is important. Yeah. 
And, and I think one of the things that, that you've provided, Liz, on, on some of your website and your resources is this whole designing for humans process, this, this whole idea of thinking about when kids are designing something. You know, we might just jump right to that step where, okay, we got a bunch of stuff out, kids, make something. Right. And, and we're skipping so many aspects of that design process, right? Right. So the Designing for Humans process is a design thinking learning experience where teachers and students walk through a process to help them create the best possible solution problem. And the key with the Designing for Humans process is that we embed the empathy piece in the beginning. Empathy. That is so important. Mm -hmm. So we're designing something for someone. and. I truly believe that that empathy piece is what's missing from our education system. Kids are just going through school and they are disconnected. They don't know why they're there. They're disengaged. They're angry. They're upset. They're bored. Everything was fine. Like kids will tell you, how was school today? Boring. Fine. Boring. Fine. Yeah. Right? They're, they're disengaged. Yeah, There's exactly. Holding them there. And I really believe what's missing is that empathy piece. If we help kids learn the content they need to learn from an empathy perspective, mm-hmm. they'll be so more, much more engaged in school, so much happier to be there. I mean, even math classes where people always ask me, like, how do I do this in math? I know. So many I, ways. I know. I'm a math teacher. I get that question all the time. So many ways. I mean, bringing in a real world example of a small business that needs help with their accounting. Now we're doing some real world design thinking. How can we create a system that we can help this small business take better care of their their books and their accounting? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a project you do with your students. Or we recently did something with our buddies, Edison, the Edison Robots, where kids created uh, hyperbolas with the Edison robots. They attached, they 3D printed a pen attachment and they made all these awesome graphs with their Edison robots. And they had to code that and create that. And just that real life experience for the kids really helps them understand the math concepts, the technology and the design concepts. Yeah. And combining all those things together is so important. Right. So combining everything together is what I call transdisciplinary education. When we are taking content from all of our disciplines, connecting it together to make one kind of project or or big problem we're trying to solve like we do in the real world. You use all your knowledge when you're trying to solve a problem in the real world. You know, from like you're doing a little DIY project at your house. You might be reading a blog about how to do it. You might be watching a video. You might be testing it out, trying it out, using new tools. You're constantly using all of your knowledge and all your abilities and skills to create your your solution. Right. You're not just saying, okay, now it's time for me to do my English skills or mm-hmm. my, my reading skills, my history skills. You, you really do right. have to help. And, and kids want that. They want to see that these things that they're using – Right. Uh, learning are important and everything. That transdisciplinary idea is, I think, what we probably used to call cross-curricular, you know, mm-hmm. but but really it's it's that idea that it's not just I'm trying to connect or combine two things as like a fake project, right. but actually find how it's actually linking to all those things. Right. 
Yeah, picking up little bits from each of the disciplines. Cool. Nothing in the world we do is as singularly focused as our education system. Yeah. Nowhere in the world, like you just described, do you go and sit for 45 minutes and do English class with your English notebook and your English pencil and your English teacher. Right. And then, oh, English is done for today, and now we go to do science for 45 minutes. Yeah. Nowhere in the world, after you get out of school, is it like that? No. And I think our kids know that. And I yeah. think that's another reason kids hate school is because they're like, this isn't like the real world. Yeah. And and they're waiting for their their passions to be ignited. I know that was kind of one of the phrases on, on your website, uh, whymaker.co, that, that how do we ignite their passions? How do we get them to really uh, be inspired to, to create something, again, with a purpose, not just creating something to hand it in? Right. Right. And I think that passion comes from empathy, looking at the world around them and seeing how they can create solutions to help other people and design and build and and think about the other people that are out here and around here and try to get out of our own you know middle school brains where I'm only thinking about myself and mm -hmm. into understanding the rest of the world around us and how we how we can help that and, and add to that and use this content that I'm learning in school to do that successfully. Some of the resources that you have on your website, Liz, have to do with this uh, design portfolio for, for kids to be able to work through uh, some different designing and design thinking in their classroom. And, and I love on one of the pages, it says design and create a blank that blank people. Right. It's not just we're going to design and create a this, right. but it has that purpose afterwards. For someone, right? So design yeah. and create a solution to help someone or make yeah. something better or improve someone's day or life or experience. Yeah. And and then later on, you know, underneath that, yeah, it's got the specifications, but also the constraints. And I think that's yeah. a lot of times we have to really remind kids that, that they're going to be dealing with those kind of things in whatever type of industry or, or business that they're going to be working with someday. There are going to be these specifications. They have to meet these qualifications, but there's always going to be those constraints built in as well. There's not just an unlimited supply of hot glue to keep attaching oh. something together. Oh, the hot glue dilemma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow that always disappears so fast. So yeah, the specifications and constraints do come out of the real world. There isn't an endless supply of resources. And it might not even be a resource. It might be you're designing and creating a product that you're shipping to Bangladesh, but you can only ship it in a 12-inch by 12-inch box. There you go. Now what? And also for teachers. Those constraints are there for teachers to help teachers kind of narrow the project for kids. Because if kids have too many options, it's a little overwhelming. Like the decision fatigue sets in. So those specifications and constraints are built into the design thinking portfolio for kids to help bring everyone together and kind of narrow everyone's focus so we're not getting these like crazy outlandish ideas and making it more real for students and teachers. Yeah. And a lot of these things, Liz, are, are things that you offer. Like you said, you've got some resources on your on your website, but really the reason you stepped away from the classroom is is to help teachers, to help them to really more effectively engage, engage those kids in their classroom and use the, the resources and materials that they may have and the spaces that they have through that training and that coaching process. Right. So it's, it's absolutely what I love doing. I love going to schools, talking with teachers, helping them actually build a project that they can bring back to their classroom. Oh, wait, no. The teacher's supposed to just tell the kids they're, they're supposed to make something. They're not supposed to build it themselves. No, everyone's doing it. Teachers Do it. are building out lesson plans, project plans. Students are building projects. 
we're all doing we're all doing something together so every one of our training sessions that we offer teachers are thinking about a project they're going to implement in their classroom they're planning it out they're thinking about how this is going to connect all the content what materials they need what technologies they need to learn and then we go back and we follow up with the teachers after every workshop and say how can we help you next? Do you need more help planning your project? Do you want to talk out the next steps? Do you want to learn more about the technology? How else can we help you make this successful in your mm. classroom? Right. Because that's really what it's about, helping these teachers be successful. Well, and like you said, Liz, when you stepped away from the classroom and you thought about, wait, not everybody is doing it the same way I did it. Not everybody understands these different things, or maybe maybe they understand. Maybe they know that kids are struggling. They know that the kids are just not connecting, but maybe they're just at a loss for why. Maybe they just think, oh, it's just kids these days. They're they're so different. There's no hope. I I'll no. just I'll just keep going until I retire and I'll chalk it up to being kids are kids. Right. Yeah. So this idea is that's just how kids are these days. Yeah, that is how kids are these days. And yes, we as the adults need to do something about it, do something mm -hmm. different about it. We need to build a generation of kids that can graduate from high school and not have to go through Google's Googliness class, <laughs> which the first line of that class is forget everything you ever learned in school. Mm-hmm. That's so heartbreaking to me as an educator where you're telling students, forget right. everything or people forget everything you learned in school because yeah. what, then why did I go to school for the last umpteen years? And, yeah. And just wasted like, all my time. Wasted all my time. I want kids to be coming out of school that are eager to solve any challenge that's put in front of them, that they can figure out how to figure something out mm. uh, and use all their resources and their knowledge and their experiences to be successful. Do you think that's a lot of what um, what the future of STEM can and should be? Yeah, I think the future of STEM and I think the future of school is this transdisciplinary approach where the walls are broken down between our classrooms and kids are doing projects that are totally connected to each other and connected to different content areas. Teachers are working together across yeah. their content areas to create real meaningful experiences for students. And because if we don't, Again, as, as we've said so many times today, uh, those kids in our classrooms are just going to say, when are we going to ever use this? They're not going to understand the purpose. And, and then we're going to hear those kids say, why am I here? What's, what's the point? What? But, but we can't just keep saying this is a problem and we need to fix it. We need to fix it. We need to fix it. Right. We have to and actually fix it. We are. And I think we are fixing it. I think yeah. this increase in STEM education, everyone knows what STEM education is these days. Right. And I think that awareness and that understanding that there's something greater when we connect everything that really benefits our students. You awesome. know, so many kids and teachers are having these STEM experiences that mm -hmm. it really is changing our education system. The more we think about it, the more we fight for it, the more we make small micro changes daily, weekly, by my classroom, by my school, by my school district, by my town, my community, the the better it'll be for for everyone. And I think, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Liz, we don't want kids to just get a project and do it or, you know, do something that's very much like a craft. Mm -hmm. You know, those are great starters. Those are great things that if you're doing those with your kids in your classroom, that's great. Keep it up, teachers. But keep on saying, okay, what could we do next? What's the next level thing that we can do? What 
Because face it, we're all like that. We all want to say, I want to do something bigger and better, especially once our passions are excited and we start thinking about something that's, that's really new and, and unique. Right. I think teachers, just like so many other people in, in kind of anything you take on, they follow this process of copy, change, create. And I think teachers will start with the copy. They want to copy word for word, read a scripted curriculum, do the same exact project that they saw on Pinterest by following the step-by-step instructions. Then their next step in development and growth is to change it. Maybe we tweak it just a little bit. Maybe we do something a little bit different so that it's more unique to me. And then the next phase of development is that create. Okay, I understand this technology, this tool. How can I create a whole project or lesson plan around this that's completely on my own and independent? And you know, when we, we do trainings with teachers, we look for teachers in those different stages mm-hmm. of development and work with the teachers based on where they are there and support them however they need support through that process. That's awesome. Copy, change, and create. Yeah, teachers, whatever stage you're at, uh, just always keep looking to get yeah. to that that next yeah. level. And again, uh, Liz, maybe is the is the help for you and your school. And again, find out more at whymaker.co. All right. And so I love to ask Liz, if you could have anybody from STEM, past or present, come and, and be one of those inspirational people along with you as you go into a classroom and try to inspire kids and teachers, who would that be, Liz? One of the women who I absolutely love from the STEM field, the STEM world, is Wally Funk. She was one of the first women to volunteer for the Women in Space program for NASA back in the 1960s. She did some incredible things with her like physical and mental testing when she was entering, trying to like get into this Women in Space program. The, the Women in Space program at that time was canceled, but she continues to fight for this you know, equity for women and encouraging women into all different fields of STEM education or STEM space and flying. And she was just just a really inspirational woman to listen to. And I would love to bring her to schools to just inspire so many more people to just fight for what they believe is right and, and to be passionate about it. That's awesome. So if you want to look her up, that's Mary Wallace Funk. And that's where her nickname Wally comes from. I love those stories because that reminds us that that it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you are willing to step out and try something that's difficult and a challenge, even if your program gets canceled, even if whatever you're doing doesn't quite work out right, that you can still make an impact in the world. That's such a great lesson for all of our kids as well. Any other last thoughts, Liz? So many great thoughts you've shared today about design thinking and empathy and just so many different things. Any other last thoughts? I have lots of thoughts all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So my big focus lately is, is helping teachers and schools and the world understand that empathy is what's missing from our education system. That helping kids understand that we are learning algebra, we are learning about animals to help others, to help solve problems in the world. And once our kids see that and can connect to, I'm doing this because it's going to help someone. I'm doing this for someone. Mm -hmm. Even if it's for myself, I'm doing something to help myself. Then I think our education system can start to change. I think that's really the missing piece. And then when we connect that empathy to this transdisciplinary experience and like a design thinking kind of process, our education system will be top 
notch. So I'm so excited to be part of that change, that mission. That's awesome. You didn't say when we just get them to uh, memorize enough things to to do well on those international standardized tests, then that's when we're going to be at the top. Nope. I don't know. I don't know. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, um, Liz, uh, so many great thoughts. I, I really appreciate just all your incredible amounts of, of wisdom. I can only imagine how, how exciting it would be to have you uh, in, in a school and, and sharing some of your ideas and, and really sitting down with those teachers and saying, how can I help? How can I move you, like you said, from, from a copy to a change to a create level yep. in your classroom? And, and how can I move from just activities and projects to that real project-based learning? So many, so many great ideas. I really appreciate it, Liz. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And again, if anybody wants to connect with Liz, check out whymaker.co. That's W-H-Y-M-A-K-E-R.co. And of course, that's in the show notes as well. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, your favorite podcast app. Please leave a review because it helps more educators to find all these great ideas like Liz's ideas today. And keep on doing the great things you're doing in your classrooms, teachers. And if you need any help, reach out to Liz and or reach out to me at dailystem.com. And we'll talk to you again next time. You've been listening to this podcast on the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find out more information about this or other episodes, please visit remarkablechatter.com or dailystem.com. <laughs>